Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, I love it when we get to the end of the week here and have a Farmer Friday show. We get to keep our phone lines open throughout the show and take your calls and agronomic questions that we'd love to hear as well about how's your crop doing? Where are you at right now? Are you harvesting? Are you seeding another crop? Are you doing some burn down? There's a lot of different things going on. This time of the year is really exciting and the questions that are coming in are pretty diverse as well. For our farm, we caught just a tiny little sprinkle of rain this morning, but it's been a little bit cooler. We've been hot all week and now we're, we're cooling off here a little bit again. In our area, we're seeing quite a bit of silage starting to come out. The corn is really drying down fast with the drought conditions that we've had. So growers are getting out there earlier than what they have in the past. When we look at some of the other things that have happened, though, we're seeing still some late season insect issues and mite issues that that growers are addressing. There's just been a, a lot of challenges out there and unusual things whenever you get the once in a lifetime drought, once in every 20 year drought, however you want to look at it. But this last 12 months that we just got through in our area was significantly drier than any uh, full calendar year had been in 130 years of recorded history. But uh, now granted, we're cherry picking because we're we're picking a July to July uh, rather than a January to January. But um, it's it still, it, it lets you see some things that you wouldn't normally see. So for example, we've gotten a lot of calls about, well, it looks like I've got Phytophthora in the field, or it looks like I've got uh, a stock rot happening in our field. And so we go take a look and, and try to diagnose what's going on, do a little digging. And I think this is one of the keys that I would say too for, for growers that are seeing sudden death syndrome right now or uh, tar spot or uh, other diseases on the upper portion of the plant. It's really tempting to just say, oh, okay, I'm just going to look at the leaves. And I'm going to stand there in the field and look at what I see. But a lot of times the real story ends up being with that root system. And when you start doing some digging, one of the alarming things that we've seen across, uh, especially our region this year, but but there have been some other parts of the country too that have seen this, it's the rootworm pressure this year was immense. There are just a tremendous amount of adult rootworm beetles out there. The egg counts, the, the eggs they've been laying in the soil, are the numbers are just as high or higher than than have been seen before in in certain areas. Talking with some growers out in central Washington here just a little bit earlier today, they were seeing the same thing, just tremendous pressure. They said earworms as well were really, really heavy in central Washington state this year. And they're they're not the only area. We did see some earworm pressure in other areas too. There, There are solutions for this. They had been using... Pyrethroid insecticide, they were, it doesn't really matter which one, but they were using Mustang Max. And they said the timing, it was just so hard to get that timing just right. You had to catch them as those eggs were hatching before those bugs got into the ear, safely inside the ear, or safely inside the stalk, depending on the bug. And the window's just so narrow. It's almost impossible to, to hit that just right. And so they were talking about the corn trait Tricepta that that they were really interested in the Tricepta trait that has that Viptera protein in there that can take care of some of those Lepidopteran or, or larvae-like bugs. That's one thing that's going on. But when you start doing some digging, you may see things below ground. With the rootworm beetles that are above ground, if you dig some roots up, 
you just see tremendous feeding in some of these fields. Even where guys had the rootworm BT traits, there is some resistance to those traits, but it, it wasn't resistance, I don't think, that we've been seeing. We've been seeing mostly just overwhelming amounts of pressure. And how those BTs work is kind of interesting because I know there's a lot of misinformation out there and there are a lot of folks that are nervous about safety, nervous about, well, I, my cattle ate this faster than they ate that and these types of things. Let me just explain what's going on. With the BT proteins, they are, are just simply proteins that can be digested by humans and other animals because we have acid di digestion systems. But with certain insects, like with corn borer BT or corn rootworm BT, they have alkaline digestive systems, and they can't break down that protein like our acid digestion systems can do. And when they can't break the protein down, uh, eventually they die. But the downside of this whole thing and this technology is wonderful because you're not spraying pesticides out and just killing all the beneficial insects too. The downside is the bugs have to take a bite of the plant. So if you have overwhelming pressure, there's going to be a lot of bites taken out of that plant. And when you see rootworms really doing a lot of their feeding in late May and into June in our region, and maybe a little earlier in other parts of the country, you don't have that big a plant out there and you got tons of bugs chewing it off, you're going to lose a lot of the root mass and that's really going to hurt the yield. And in some cases now where we're getting storms passing through over the last few weeks, we've seen some fields just blow over. And again, when you have a field blown over, everyone wants to talk about the wind and they want to talk about what hybrid it is and all these kinds of things. I don't care what the hybrid is. The fertility program in some cases makes a difference, but when you don't have any root system, that's the only factor that really mattered. And you don't know that unless you do the digging. So I just encourage you, get out in your fields. Keep scouting. Never, never, never give up on that crop. Just keep scouting throughout the season. Learn what you can learn. Uh, Brian and I have been talking a lot about the dry years that our farms experience, whether it's 2012 or 1988 or even back to 1976, which Brian and I weren't old enough at that point to, to make any decisions on our farm. But we remember our dad and our grandparents talking about that a lot, that that was a bad drought year. But we, we learned from those lessons in those extreme years, and then we can utilize those again now. And we've done the same thing, and we're going to do the same thing going into 2022. Talk about those drought years and what things happened and what we can learn from those and take into the next year. So, for example, we we're just talking with some growers up in central North Dakota. They've gotten virtually no rain. But they had a crop that got started and they went out and applied herbicides that have potential for carryover since they haven't had any rain. Some of the growers are going to be planting the exact same crop in the exact same field next year just to avoid those carryover issues. It's a lesson we've learned from previous mistakes. We'll talk more on Farmer Friday after this. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. 
Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Bill wants plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. Taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to Pennsylvania to start things out here. We've got Matt on with us right now. Matt, thanks for joining us. Hi, how are you doing today? We're doing pretty good. What's happening in your operation today? Well, today I am actually on the way back to the farm. Um, we do uh, some direct-to-consumer beef, and I got a load, and I'm headed back to the farm. Excellent. Okay, so talk to me about that. What what do customers ask for? Because I, I think that's fantastic that you're doing that, and I, I'm certain that your customers are are seeing some value in buying direct from a producer like yourself. Uh, do they have a lot of questions for you? Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of people, and you know, we, we try and sell everything, um, halves and quarters, and there's education I have to do there to explain what you Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, I, I can see what you mean. If you're selling it in halves and quarters, you don't have to deal with, well, I just want your best steaks. <laughs> I don't want anything <laughs> else. Yeah. Or, or, or I'm sure there's some that maybe just want hamburger too. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So as you're doing that, do you feed these cattle differently? Are they asking a lot of questions about what the cattle are eating? Uh, well, we've done uh, the grass-fed thing, um, and a lot of people like that. Um, we also grain-finished, um, and that's kind of where we're at now. We've kind of moved back to grain-finishing our, our steers, um, or majority is corn silage. Uh, as far as from the last couple months of their lives, we'll um, basically straight corn silage, maybe a little hay with it. Sure. And people ask about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's interesting. People, go ahead. Oh, do you have a website or anything that you market with, Matt, or how do you find customers? 
Uh, well, a lot of it's mostly local people. I mean, we have a Facebook page. Uh, and, and really, it's a lot of word of mouth. Yeah, we get so many questions from from our listeners wondering just how do you build a business like that? And I think you just start small and you start local and and yeah, the word spreads because when people are from a small small rural community, they they have friends that are in bigger cities and and they know people and work with other people and yeah, you're right. If you're doing something well, the word travels. So, are you cutting silage yet or how far away from silage cutting are you? Uh, well, we're a little ways away from cutting silage, but um, our Sudex is about ready to cut. We're just looking for a good stretch of weather to knock it down. Interesting. Yeah, we're doing corn silage here with a local dairy, and it looks like our time is next week. So we're kind of getting excited for that and getting all geared up, making sure equipment's all ready to run and everything. Yeah, yep. Uh, we just had a, a mower. <laughs> it uh, the put some bearings out and they went through the cutter bar and we just had to rebuild it here last week. So uh, that's just getting that ready to go. And Yeah. The fun part of farming is uh, there's always something to do, no doubt about it. And, and uh, between equipment, like you say, now even marketing when you're going direct to consumer with, with the beef and so forth, it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, well, Matt, I can tell you you're a busy guy. Really appreciate having you on, though, today. Good luck here as you get ready to, to knock that Sudex down, and, and hope you have a great year. Hey, I got a question for you. Oh, sure, sure. Go ahead. You bet. Um, we've got some uh, – my father-in-law has some, some, some moths in his corn crib, um, and they're bad enough that when you, you take the corn out, they're, all, they're flying in your face, and um, I'm sure they're damaging the grain. Um, we were looking for something to try to not sure how to take care of this and make sure it doesn't happen again and see if there's anything we can do about it this year yet. Yeah. Well, once the, once the corn is in the crib, it's, it's a, a different battle than if you can do something for a treatment as you're going in there, there are certainly different products that can be used. Uh, we, we, I guess on our farm, we don't do, uh, we don't do a corn in a crib anymore. We don't aren't harvesting corn on the ear, but in our grain corn, there's certainly different products you can add on and sprinkle as you're you're putting it in the bin. Or you could always fumigate too, which in a corn crib I don't think would work very well. But uh, perhaps there are some products. That that's a good question. I don't know about corn crib and insect control, but uh, that's something I, I'll just have Janelle take down your your number here. We'll we'll put you in touch. I know some people that do know that, and we can get you hooked up. All righty. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. We really appreciate it. All righty. You bet. Let's head over to North Carolina. Got Jimmy on with us right now. How are you doing, Jimmy? Uh, pretty good. How about you? Good, good. All right. So we were talking to Matt, and, and they're kind of gearing up. They're going to do some uh, chopping some feed for the cattle coming up here maybe next week if the weather's fit. How about on your farm? What are you guys up to? Uh, we are into tobacco, so we're harvesting tobacco and still topping the back and sucking the back and probably Wednesday, Thursday next week, we're going to start picking corn. I think we'll be at about 25% next week, more stuff. So we're going to get geared up and try to get everything tuned up the weekend. And then the following week, try to go full blast. 
Absolutely. That's awesome. Okay, so you mentioned you're going to start at 25%, and we like to start probably around that moisture too. Uh, for you, why why 25%? Are you drying stuff down? Do you have lots of acres? Are you worried that other things are going to get too dry if you don't get started now? What's your reason for starting there? Well, our number one reason is we we got uh, we independent hog producers, and of course, you know that improves the quality of the grain. So we feed seventy five percent of our grain to our own livestock. So it's a real advantage for us to have the quality. And then, of course, anybody that's ever run a combine knows that from twenty to twenty five percent, you can run a third faster and not lose any years. So it's about speed. Uh, we got we don't have a lot of corn but we got enough we run one machine so time we get our corn and beans in we pretty much maxing out one machine we're trying to run about three thousand acres through one machine so we need to get started early and we need to keep moving yeah you're hustling well i just think about from a financial standpoint and here's uh, one of the things just had a, a meeting with some local farmers this morning and we were just talking about running the pencil on everything that you do and when you think about it combines are not cheap they're several hundred thousand dollars if you want to buy a new one and when you've got three thousand acres to spread that cost out if you can get all of it done with one machine instead of having to run two well that's a huge cost savings on the front side and then i like this jimmy i like that you pointed out you can run faster if you harvest it just a little bit wetter and not worry about losing the ears that's a big deal because i find too many farmers that we talk to don't really value their time don't put a a dollar amount on hey if it takes me 10 hours to do this there are other things i could be doing that 10 hours might be worth 500 bucks in the in the right time of year maybe it's worth a thousand dollars during harvest time i don't want to mess around i'd rather do stuff faster if i can do it and so i'm glad you do that do you run the pencil on about everything like that uh, we got a pretty good accounting system, but you know, for as far as our machinery, we putting so many hours on it. We, you know, with three thousand acres, we need to be in the bean field as early as we can. And being in the southeast, our bases right now, you know, I was offered uh, yesterday a dollar and a half over the board for corn if I could deliver it next week. And bean bases, they offer pretty strong bean bases into the second week in September. So. You know, when you that don't take no pencil to figure that out. <laughs> no. Three weeks, nope. bases will be eighty cent for us. So, and we're fortunate we have our own trucks, so we can put a load of corn in somebody in just a couple hour notice. So it's some value. It's kind of like trucking. I tell people I never made a dollar on a truck, but where I made my money was picking up the bases by being able to deliver in a short time frame. Yeah. Yeah. That is really good. Well, I would challenge everybody listening today. Uh, Jimmy's right there. There is a huge incentive right now in most areas to get that harvest started just a little bit sooner. And even if you have to spend a little bit of money drying that grain down, it will be well worth it. It won't take long to run that, that math. You're right. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate having you on here. Good luck here as you get going, uh, finishing up on the tobacco and getting going on that corn. All right. Thanks a lot. You bet. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and we'll be right back. (music) 
If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Iowa. we got Mark on with us right now. Mark, how are you doing? Doing great, Darren. How are you today? Well, pretty good. You know, we've been complaining and whining, uh, 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 crying over our dry weather that we've had over the last year or so. And people say, man, you guys are in South Dakota. It's dry all the time out there. Why are you guys crying about it? And I, I said, you know, it's not just us anymore, though. It's really spread. Even a good chunk of Iowa has been kind of dry. How about you where you're at, Mark? You guys been dry or you've been getting the rains? We've been, right in my local area, we've been dry, but it's probably been one of the most 
spotty rainfall seasons that I've ever seen in the last 39, 40 years of my farming career. It's been crazy how just a few miles can make a huge difference in the amount of rainfall. Yeah, the the spottiness of the rainfall, I'd say, would be a fair statement for our area, too. Are you learning any lessons this summer? I know you're always learning. You're always observing. Uh, anything that you, Any changes you made that are paying off? Well, one of the big things that we're seeing right now is, uh, just as you were mentioning earlier in the show, about the root development. And uh, we've been running a lot of no-till and strip-till for the last 20-plus years, and it looks to us like it's making a big difference this year and uh, better root development, better access to the moisture that is there, um, especially in the low amounts of rainfall that we've been getting. We're running 10 to 12 inches behind the 30-year average on rainfall during the season this year in this area. Wow. Yeah, that's a big, big difference. And, you know, a lot of times we think about, well, in the average year, here's how we do things. But some of the practices that that we can use will really help us out in these extreme years as well. With the strip till that you're doing, are you putting fertilizer out at that time? I think we might have talked about this once before, but I don't remember what your answer was. Yeah. Yeah. We use a dry system. So we're putting down uh, a base rate uh, in the zone as we uh, strip till. And then we do multiple applications for nitrogen, uh, pre-plant, uh, side dressing, late season, those type of systems. So those also, I think, are making a big difference this year, uh, having those nutrients available for our crops when they need them. So. You mentioned the nitrogen and putting some on at different times. So we were planning on doing that this year, and we went out and pulled some pre-side dress nitrate tests, and we had way more nitrogen than what we were expecting out there after a dry summer last year that maybe took a little bit. Well, I know it took a little bit off our yields. And then, of course, another dry year where maybe our yields aren't going to be quite what we were hoping for. Did you have the same thing? I know in Iowa a lot of times guys are going for some pretty good yields. Did you find you had a little more nitrogen out there than you anticipated? Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the main things that we see, especially with our higher organic matters that we're running now after years of, we have some crops now that are being rotated after years of continuous corn and those organic levels are really giving off the nitrogen that we had hoped for over the years. Hey, for our non-farm listeners, Mark just mentioned a term there, organic matter. And when we store up carbon in our soils, uh, that's what we're talking about here. We're building up organic matter and we're storing up more carbon in our soils. Uh, so as, as you get along that line of thinking, Mark, are you, are you interested in the carbon credit discussion or what's been the, the talk around you? Yeah, we're, we're looking at it pretty close. Uh, we're trying to get to the point where we feel that it's economics are going to make us the, the return that we've invested. But we're also running into problems being some of the earlier adopters that we may not be eligible for some of these programs. And that's very disappointing uh, on the systems and the types of things that we had planned to utilize when, when those monies and the uh, carbon credits uh, was going to be have some value and be able to be utilized in our operation as income wise. So if you went back to getting the mole board plow out for a year, Mark, then would you be eligible for some of those things by switching back into no-till and strip-till? We haven't got good answers out of them yet. <laughs> so we're trying to evaluate several different programs to see if that is a problem or is something that we could use. Uh, I'd hate to do it though. I just, I, I, agree. I, I would almost forego it and leave the structure and the soils that we've built over the last 20 years and not even see it 
currently worth 30 to 40 bucks an acre. That's not even worth that in my yeah. book, not even close. Yeah, it's it's just amazing that, that some of and, and maybe they will. Maybe they'll change as they get going, but a lot of these programs don't really give you much credit for the work that you've been doing for years and years. It, it's it's one of the flaws in the system right now, and maybe they'll get it worked out. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's a great idea to see people to move forward and to change some of their things for the future, but uh, some of us have been doing it and and really putting an emphasis on soil health for the last several years that it's disappointing that all that background work that we've been doing is not going to be eligible for, for what they're looking for actually. Yep. Yeah. A lot, lot more discussion to have, no doubt about it with the carbon credits. So talking with Mark here in Iowa. Well, Mark, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Hopefully you guys catch some rains here after harvest this year and replenish those soils and get them all, get them all ready for next year. You bet. Thanks, Darren. You bet. Let's head down to southeast Kansas right now. We've got David with us, and and David had sent an email in as well, having a little bit of a challenge here with Johnson grass, which as soon as I saw the weed, David, I'm like, well, no kidding, you're having a problem. That That's a tough weed. Yeah, we've, uh, <clears throat> we've been chasing it pretty hard in our corn-on-corn ground, and uh, we can get it controlled until – you know, until we can't get over the corn with the sprayer anymore. V6, V8's our last pass, and uh, we get a pretty good control, and then it just comes back, uh, you know, late late July. And now as we're getting towards harvest, we've got some infestations that are pretty heavy uh, along the edge of the fields or in the turn rows. And so I was just curious to get some advice from you guys. What do you think it's worth going in as a pre-harvest uh, application with Roundup. Um, we're almost to R6 now, so you know, in a couple of weeks we could do that. So, yeah, it's oh boy, it's fortunately for us, we haven't had to fight that one. So, I'll be just real upfront and say we haven't had that on our own farm yet. I'm sure we will someday. Uh, my, my joking answer that I usually give on something like this is, huh, well, I would rent that ground out to my brother and, and let him deal with that. Uh, but I, I know what you mean. It's just one of those things, Hey, here it is. We got it. Now let's deal with it. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of the right things early in the season. You're just getting those late emergers. So, you know, it's something you could sure try. And especially if it would just be on the ends and or so forth, but man, I hate driving through things late in the season just because you might knock ears off you might tip stalks over and you know what kind of yield loss there could be if that happens and the crop just isn't quite as resilient when you get towards the end of the end of the season like that no absolutely on that I, you know i heard a caller it was a few months ago talk about bringing in an airplane and using you know a couple of gallons uh but this you know a quarter roundup or 22 ounces of roundup in a couple of gallons you get that really concentrated punch on the plant and what i'm really wondering is are we doing ourselves a benefit by stopping the rhizome from you know killing the rhizome because this you know these things will put down the rhizomes and man they come back like gangbusters yeah so Yep. Yeah. We're talking about Johnson grass here for anybody listening that hasn't fought this weed before. It's a tough perennial. And as, as David's saying, it's got rhizomes that run crossways underneath the soil and then pop up a new plant. And you think you're doing good, but if you don't get enough roundup on the plant and get it down into that root system, well, those rhizomes just keep running and shooting up more weeds faster than we can keep spraying roundup. And we end up going backwards. We, we sure don't want to do that. And I, and I agree with you, David, I, I would, 
would sure try it and I would sure go after it and see if, man, if I could actually make this thing work on a small scale this year in case we have a disaster and stuff doesn't work at all. Uh, and, and, you know, you spray and it just doesn't even get through the canopy and get down in there you, and you're just wasting your time and money. I'd rather do that on a small scale than a big one. But if it does work, yeah, it'd be really nice to, to utilize that going forward. Cause if you can stop those rhizomes with a big dose of Roundup, that totally reduces your pro or your problem and hopefully eliminates it in a few years. Yeah. Well, I think maybe we'll give that a try then here in a couple of weeks, right right before uh, we harvest yep well good so, luck to uh, you on that i know you said you've got it in ditches too and that that makes it a real challenge because gosh you just really hate to have to kill off a whole ditch just to stop weeds but in some cases that might be what you have to do hey david thank you so much if uh, you had any more questions you can hang on we're up against a break here stay tuned you're listening to ag phd radio precision crop nutrition pays and AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. AgPHD has one mission give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther Power in your tank. Every week for more than two decades, AgPHD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. <sighs> Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, 
simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Listen to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Jim on with us right now from Tennessee. Jim, how you doing? Oh, pretty good, Darren. How's some of my favorite Yankee farmers doing? <laughs> well, not too bad. Sounds like you're out in equipment right now. What are you up to? I'm actually sitting here doing a rain dance, hoping with this line of rain that's coming across, maybe hit some of my double crop beans. We got some rains, but we're a little on the dry side, and uh, trust me, I don't want to run any rains off right now, but there's a good chance of rain tomorrow, so I think we'd be in good shape. Awesome, awesome. Well, beans, the good thing about beans, they kind of hang in there and wait for it a little bit to some degree, and we've we've seen that a number of times in our farm that we catch those rains finally, and it seems like it's too late, but but they respond. So hopefully they respond really well for you. Is the weed control good out there? Are the rows closed, or has it been a little dry that, that the rows haven't even closed? Well, that's a good thing you brought it up. I want to do a shout-out to my consultants who saved my hide. I was sitting on a beach. And they found uh, army worms, so my boys for Wheat Tech did a good job. But they found the army worms and got them sprayed and saved my hide. But uh, they came in about the third week of June, right when the cor- or the beans could come up, right where it's all double crop, right? Uh, we plant them right after uh, uh, wheat. And so, no, excuse me, it'll be the second week of July. And the beans looked great, and the army worms showed up, and they started mowing beans down. And luckily, they got out there and got them sprayed. We actually sprayed 1,000 acres once, and we sprayed 200 acres twice. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, but those guys saved me. Because, like I said, I was sitting on a beach thinking that we're in great shape, and some of the guys have been in that business for 20-plus years. They said they'd never seen anything like it. And so we're still seeing army worms around, not at threshold, but uh, I'm hearing it's in forage and uh, forage areas now. So it's been something. You know, you're not the first caller that we've talked to that had army worms this year. It sounds like it was a pretty big issue. And uh, I haven't seen that myself on our farm, but my brother said, yep, uh, he's seen it elsewhere in, in previous things that he's done. And he's like, my goodness, you just don't mess with them. If you see them coming, you, you just got to get right after it. So I certainly appreciate you uh, throwing that out there. You were not in a position to be scouting, but fortunately you were smart enough to have somebody else doing that so you didn't lose a crop. I was going to lose a crop. If they had not been out there watching, we would have lost the crop. And so they did a, a first-class job. But, uh, you know, they do good work. How was the wheat crop this year in your area? Had a good crop. Uh, we had quite a bit of lodging. We got some hard rains late, right at the per- worst time with grain fill. And it went down, and we... We went through chopper bearings and lots of belts, but we had a good crop. So we had a, about a 90 bushel average, and, and the uh, price has recovered, even though I've given 50 cents back to the market in the last seven days. Uh, but we had a good crop, good quality, uh, test weights are good. Um, so everything's great. The one thing that's concerning me now is I heard yesterday that uh, the Biden administration is going to make us, uh, we're going to lose. I can't even pronounce it. One of the uh, chlor- chlor- chlorpyrifos. Chlor- there you go. 
What is our, our alternative to that? We were using Raildan back in the day, and it worked great, and then we had to go to the store side. What is our next option? You know, that that is problematic, and I know for a lot of our listeners, you may not be aware of this, but just, yes, take a look at what's happening right now uh, with the the court action and EPA responses and chemical company responses to this. Uh, honestly, some of the chemical companies are just getting tired of fighting. And I know there are a couple of products that we've heard from manufacturers, you know, we're just going to quit making that. We're just going to focus on some other things because it's getting too expensive with all the court battles. And I think that's what happens in our country a lot and not just in agriculture, but people say, well, I'm just going to keep suing them and the court bills are going to get so high that they'll finally quit fighting and whether it's right or wrong that's not the best way to decide things and it it appears that that's the case in some of these things now there may be others out there that say oh no no darren you don't understand uh chlorpyrifos has been a problem over here and over there and and maybe there are some applications that are really problematic i just know we've got some areas where we've got soybean aphids that are resistant to pyrethroid insecticides and chlorpyrifos is a pretty nice option for wiping them out and stopping them quick when you've got a, a bad bug outbreak so there are a couple other uh, chemical families of insecticide that hopefully will keep on the market for a long time. They're a lot safer than some of those old products like you are talking about, Jim, that, that we've got some other safe options. Pyrethroids are just getting overused, and I know they work well. I know the human safety is pretty good, but, man, we just can't keep losing modes of action like this. It's, it's pretty tough. Well, what I'm seeing is we have moisture issue in stored grain. And when in the stored grain, the pyrethroids seem to run out quicker. And I don't know if that's just by design or what, but the store side and the rail dan, uh, we really never had any trouble. I mean, I had some stored seed that had rail dan on it that would go two years, uh, and it would be fine even if it was brought in at 13 and a half, 14, 14, 2. Uh, once it got a little over that, then we started having issues where it breaks down quick, but, uh, the new chemicals are not near as good as the older ones, and so, like I said, we're having to be much more careful about moisture when we put it in the bag and how long we can store it so it doesn't get milled. So I'm not real happy about it. I'm afraid we're going to lose it. Luckily, i got enough on hand to do another year's of uh, farming, but uh, I'm not looking forward to the future. Yep. Yep, it's going to be a challenge, no doubt about it. Well, Jim, thank you so much. Really appreciate you you talking to us, and, and good luck here with those double crop beans. Hopefully you catch the rain soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, sir. You bet. Let's head up to Wisconsin. Got our friend Mark on with us right now. Sounds like uh, having a little equipment debate with his dad, I'm guessing. How are you doing, Mark? Uh, no, it's not necessarily a debate, but hey you well, sound like you sound exactly you. like my brother mark he said it's not really a debate we're just going to do what i say that's that's how he, <laughs> that's how he tells me sometimes like well hold on here no we are going to have a debate about this but but what do you think you got no, you got no. a combine and you're working on that well it's we raise a lot of acres of soybeans and we've hired them harvested and we felt really silly, so I was like, well, let's just buy ahead and combine our own. And then everybody told me, well, you should buy a draper because it shells out. You lose one to two bushel with an auger versus a draper. So I started looking at draper heads, and then they said, well, your combine 
he just added to it and that added to it and this added to it. And even then, we're not sure if it'll lift a draper head because it's an older combine. It has 5,000 hours on it. And so I don't know. Even yeah. though we've maintained it, I don't know how much we should stick into it. Yeah, that's that's always the that's yes. always the challenge. We have this too, Mark. We have the same debate on our farm, and we actually traded well, off some equipment. I haven't even. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say we we traded off some equipment this year, and I know I had the same debate with Brian. I'm like, man, we actually are trading planters off, and I said, ah, oh, we just went through that thing, and we fixed everything up, and it's running so good. And he's like, yes, but there are parts on there that are 20 years old, and we need to we need to upgrade because eventually, if we have a breakdown in planting season, uh, that could be a bad bad deal for us. So. So I don't know. It, it's I I see it. It's it's tough. Equipment's expensive. Yeah. Well, and the other issue is is we can only spend a dollar one time, and we have a lot of ground that really needs drain tile desperately. So it's like I think to get us truly set up where we could pull a tile plow early in the spring and late in the fall when the ground is kind of sticky. I think realistically it would be about the same price to get us into, by the time you get a backhoe and a bulldozer and a tile plow and a tile cart, I think that might be about the same dollar amount. Yeah, that's... I like that you're looking at, okay, we could go this option, we could go that option. Mark, we're up against a break. If you can hang on, we can continue that uh, discussion right after this. You're listening to Ag BHD Radio. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. 
cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weed Control System. Just better. With no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio today. Thanks for joining us. Just before the break, we were, we were having a little debate with Mark. And, you know, when you've got several different things that you'd really like to do or change on the farm and they all cost a bunch of money, it's pretty tough sometimes debating which ones to do. And, and Mark was talking about just wondering about getting a draper head, uh, perhaps a different combine. But but then also looking at, man, uh, I could really use some drain tile, and that would be a good thing to do too right now. So, yeah, I know what you mean, Mark. It, I look at all these things and – and I'm not a big equipment guy, so I don't mind running a little older equipment. Uh, but if I can get some tiling done, I know that really pays. So to me, I'd I'd be pretty excited about that too. Okay. I I hate spending money on equipment personally, but I also, if you do truly lose more beans, and I I don't know. Have you seen where you lose a lot more beans with a draper? Well, I know we we the... saw the, we saw the same thing, and we we ran um, we ran the other way a long time, and we're running draper head now, and yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, there's there's definitely a little bit of grain there that you're going to save. Okay, but you would tend to go with tile over. <laughs> well, if you had Brian on the show, you know which way he'd be going, right, Mark? Well, I, <laughs> yes, yeah. But, but I'd say this, you know, the, the tile has really paid for us, and we've seen a significant, we've seen more than a one or two bushel difference, I'd say that. So if you're saying, I can do something that will gain me a bushel or two, or I could put in tile, I'm putting in tile. Fair enough. Thank you. You bet. Thanks a lot, Mark. Really appreciate it. Uh, I got a friend, Mike, down in Arizona with us right now. Mike, how you doing? Well, pretty good, Darren. I'm in the middle of Nevada with a trailer load of hefty corn seed a tote headed for Phoenix. There you go. There you go. Okay, so talk to us about growing crops down at Phoenix. Uh, I know they say a lot in the valley they run into some challenges just with the heat and everything uh, compared to when you get a little more elevation. What's What's been your take on that? And I know you've been down there for a number of years. Uh, it's horrible. Yeah, this year was horrible. Uh, we had to get those bad weeks, 115 to 120 degrees, and it just destroys them, you know, everything. Idaho, same situation, had bad, a bad week up there, and the, 
the wheat's uh, cut in half the yield. Everybody's wow. 50%. Oof. So, yeah, it's been rough that way. So this corn, I'm going to try and plant it. Well, I don't know if we get in tomorrow, maybe the next day. But okay. uh, we've had so much rain down there, we're trying to dry it out. Had 10, 12 inches. Huh. I started on the six. I started on the six cutting a hay darren a month and a half ago, and we had we don't have it out of the field yet. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah, it's been crazy. The rain and the the, the heat and the whole thing. But yeah, uh, they've tried this fall corn before. This is my first time, so I guess I'm in line to fail or, or not. <laughs> or, or who knows? <laughs> Well, I don't know. My dad told me this when, when uh, I was growing up, and he said, Darren, do you want to be a smart farmer or do you want to be a wise farmer? And I'm like, well, I don't know. A smart farmer sounds pretty good. And I said, what's what's the difference? And he said, well, a smart farmer makes a, makes a mistake one time, learns from it, doesn't make it again. And I said, okay, well, count me in. I'll be a smart farmer. And he goes, oh, Darren, I was really hoping you'd be a wise farmer. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the difference, Dad? And He's like, well, the wise farmer watches the smart farmers, sees their mistakes, and just doesn't make them in the first place. Now, I don't know if anyone can ever be perfect, but I do applaud you. I know you try different things, and sometimes you find things that are a home run. And if you're not, uh, if you're too scared to fail at something, you miss out on a lot of good things. And I know you definitely try a lot of different things. So I appreciate that about what you're doing, Mike. Yeah, my dad's like your dad. I get the same picture. Yeah, I try things he never would. So, but uh, but yeah, this this issue with his fall corn, it's either feast or famine. It we're gonna we're gonna fight frost and we're gonna fight heat. So yeah. I'm, I'm I've gotten a shorter variety. That's why I'm dragging the hefty corn down. Gotcha. Uh, we're gonna try like 80, 85, 90 day. Okay. So I we're we're coming off of one ten temperatures. I'm gonna have some hundred degrees. I I think for probably two weeks to a month. And then we'll cool down in the 80s, and hopefully this corn will finish before, you know, we get a bad frost. So yeah, yeah, that will be will be really interesting to do. see see how that works out. Yeah, uh, like uh, like I say, yeah, if you guys are down there late in the fall, you might want to stop by. You know where I am. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Nope, that'll be cool. So you said the the hay crop was was decent hay this year. Or was with that heat, was each one of those cuttings kind of light? I had the best quality ever. And the first part, because it's dry, we didn't have rain for six months. And so we just cut, cut the hay, grew well. My tests were really good on the hay. And then uh, what happened here a month and a half ago, it just started raining. And so we couldn't cut hay. Then we couldn't bale hay. And now we still can't get it out of the field. So that's been how it was. But but it, with the water issues, you know, around the west, it's been, you know, we're trying to do all we can. Uh, grow the, you know, tonnage we can, so. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to kind of deal with what you get. And, and there's certainly opportunity there when you've got the dairies and stuff around you that are looking for feed supplies. And if you can grow stuff close there, it sure it sure can be a lot more profitable and trucking stuff in from a long ways off. So, well, hopefully well, yeah, that Idaho, Idaho, same situation in Idaho. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You like stealing all our corn from South Dakota cheap and shipping it out there to Idaho is what all the dairy guys say. They say, oh, you're from South Dakota. We like buying your cheap feed supplies and shipping them out here. I, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. But <laughs> give it a try. I, I got other varieties. We'll put it up against it. We'll see how, we'll see how tough the hefty is. <laughs> well, that'll be fun, Mike. Yeah. You'll have to stay in touch. And let us know how that looks. All right. You guys take care, Darren. You bet. Thank you. Thank you. 
yeah, you get to try some different things sometimes and see if uh, a guy could maybe make some make some money doing things just a little different. I uh, got this one from John in Quebec. He said he's on the lawnmower but listening to the show. Uh, all right. That sounds like fun, John. Get Kill two birds with one stone. Get two things done at the same time. He said he's got strips of green foxtail out in the soybeans, and the strips seem to be where the planter and sprayer traveled. Just wondering if that's related to compaction in those areas. You know, one of the things that we saw was where we had really dry soils at planting time. And I think you guys were fairly dry up there, too, if I'm right, John, uh, that that where we packed the soil, we did have better germination of everything this year. And it was really kind of strange, but uh, we had loose, fluffy, light powdery soil elsewhere so we didn't get the seed to soil contact we needed to get good germination so i think you're right on the money i think that's what's going on uh john says our area crops look to be average to above average started very dry okay there we go should have read your whole email first started very dry so some of the pre's didn't work as well i had to replant some beans and even some corn but they've had definitely had years that were more problems than this Hey, thanks, John. We really appreciate that. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, okay, got a question in. This one's from New Jersey. Uh, uh, caller said he's got common ragweed in non-GMO edible beans. Wants to use a weed wiper to try and apply something to kill the ragweed. All right, so so we've got big ragweed out there. If we're early and the, the stuff is really small, we may have some different options. Um but if you, gosh, if you're at this point and it's big, what could you use through the wiper? So we do have some common ragweed out and about that is resistant to Roundup. So I don't think Roundup would maybe be your best option, but wondering what Liberty would be like. The challenge with Liberty is you need pretty good coverage to kill things. You could sure try that. That might be as good as anything at this point. But the nice thing about Roundup over the years has been, if you had Roundup and the weed was not Roundup resistant, it doesn't take much Roundup to actually get things to go. So if there's a, a chance that a guy could use some Roundup in there, if you knew, uh, in fact, that some of the ragweed at least was not Roundup resistant, that would be an interesting thing, too, that could potentially be mixed in there or, or used instead. So, yeah, I think those are the choices you got. Roundup and Liberty would probably be the best, too. And of those, Roundup would be the best as long as the weed's not Roundup resistant. Appreciate the call. Um, we got a number of, of questions that came in too, and I get this one from Patrick. He said, I've got some pasture. It's been 50 or so years or more in pasture. Going to put corn in there next year. I'm going to do some tillage out there. I'm wondering if I could make any money the first year on corn. Well, you sure can. You're really going to have to be aggressive. You're going to need more nitrogen because you've got a lot of organic material out there with the pasture. You could till it, uh, and you probably need to if you've got a lot of ruts or if you've got a lot of, um, you know, gophers or different things like that. But if it was perfectly smooth, you could definitely no-till right into that, leave that soil structure in place, and be successful too. I would just watch out for insects. There's going to be some insect pressure there. Make sure you're using some insecticide in the furrow. Make sure you're using probably. 50 to 75 pounds extra nitrogen versus a normal yield goal, and I think you'd be just fine. Thanks for the question, Patrick. We really appreciate it. And thanks to you for listening. Please join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.